Good morning, Orlando. Wednesday morning here. You're on the 50,000-watt front porch. Glad you're with us bright and early at 6 for our first look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic right here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, former First Lady Barbara Bush has died, and one person is dead in a Southwest jet emergency landing. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. And we'll have a tribute to um, Barbara Bush in this hour. But first, terror at 30,000 feet, but heroes as well. Next on Good Morning Orlando. Happy Hump Day. It's 6.01 on News Radio 102.5. Former First Lady Barbara Bush is dead at the age of 92. Mrs. Bush passed away Tuesday evening with her husband of 73 years, former President George H.W. Bush, by her side. The former president spent the day by her side holding her hand. The former first lady addressing the graduating class at Wellesley University in June of 1990 spoke about the importance of finding the joy in life, referencing her own joy at marrying the former president. One of the reasons I made the most important decision of my life to marry George Bush is because he made me laugh. It's true, sometimes we laugh through our tears, but that shared laughter has been one of our strongest bonds. Mrs. Bush was known for her tireless dedication to her family and for being a prominent proponent of literacy. Flags are at half-staff in honor of Barbara Bush. In a presidential proclamation, President Trump called Mrs. Bush, quote, an advocate of the American family, end quote, and ordered flags lowered at all federal buildings, military bases, and U.S. embassies. That was a great sound cut. We'll hear more from Barbara Bush in our next half hour. And um, I think you could make the case that she was the most popular, liked, loved, universally admired first lady of all across party lines, don't you think? Oh, without a doubt, absolutely. Yeah. And your heart goes out to her family. You know, her granddaughter, uh, Jenna Bush Hager, who's uh, on TV, right. uh, brought to tears the other day when talking about her grandmother's health. And, of course, our former governor, Jeb Bush, um, who's reeling from the death of his mother. So yeah, Absolutely, and we'll hear uh, what he had to say as well. And, uh, and, um, and of course, she was the mother of a president as well yes, as the wife. Yes, um, Only happened one other time in history. And uh, we'll we'll have um, what uh, Bush 43 had to say with the passing of his beloved mom. It's all coming up here in our second half hour of hour number one. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The other big story of the day, I know you're getting ready to talk about this one as well, but is a flight met that made an emergency landing in Philadelphia yesterday, ran into trouble just 20 minutes into its trip from New York to Dallas. NTSB Chairman Robert Sumwalt said an engine fire was reported just as the Southwest jet was at an altitude of about 32,000 feet. The crew donned their oxygen mask. And they reported to air traffic control that they had a number one engine fire and they were operating single engine. He remarked that the plane made an emergency descent and landing at Philadelphia International Airport. More than 140 people were on board, 143 passengers, five crew members. A one person died. We'll have more on the details on that person next. Some Walt said an inspection of the plane has found evidence of metal fatigue in one of the fan blades of the engine that failed. Some Walt added that the NTSB is interested in seeing any photos or videos of what happened. And of course, as soon as it happened yesterday, there were all kinds of stuff up on social media. Right. He also remarked that the cowling of the engine was found in the area of Burnville, Pennsylvania. Yeah, the engine essentially exploded is what it the did. NTSB is telling us right now. Um, one life lost. Um, 
and 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 we'll be talking more about that and just how remarkably safe airline travel is even though we just get so frightened by what might happen what did happen yesterday happens very seldom yeah very very seldom meanwhile passengers on board that plane that made an emergency landing in philadelphia say a woman was partially sucked out of one of the jet's windows when we saw the window was gone somebody saw the lady out the window so just tried to get her back in. Passenger Tim McGinty said he and another passenger, a firefighter actually from Salina, Texas, worked together to pull her back into the plane. The woman was taken to a hospital in critical condition and was later pronounced dead. She's been identified as Jennifer Reardon, a bank executive from Albuquerque. Orlando drivers should have a far less frustrating drive to work this morning. FDOT announced last night that West Colonial Drive at I-4 is now reopened. The intersection had been closed the last couple of days for bridge repair work after cracks were found in a new bridge pier. Some of those affected tell Channel 9 the closure led to absolutely insane traffic that doubled their commute time. Oh, I can almost hear the cheers from folks who yes. are going to be going that route this morning. It's open and the traffic should flow as per usual. It's always it's always busy down there. It is. But not like what we've been through in recent days. Which is why closing it down just made it even more nightmarish. And for a little bit more good news, mm-hmm. the IRS is giving taxpayers an extra day to file their taxes after technical difficulties on its website. Taxpayers don't need to do anything to get the extra day. The IRS says during a system outage yesterday, taxpayers could still file electronically. Yesterday was the deadline to file 2017 tax returns. Taxpayers can also file for a six-month extension if they need that extra time. WFLA News Time at 6.07. Read about YouTube employees saying violent threats from the creators. They're common. From the creators? From the creators of YouTube. Violent threats toward employees. Wow. No kidding. Where do we read about that? I wonder. Uh, hmm. Oh, the only place you need to know. 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Yeah, there was terror at 30,000 feet on that Southwest Airline plane, but there were heroes as well in the cabin and in the cockpit. And we'll have more on that side of the story, plus a listing of all the things that are likely to kill you in this country and where flying a commercial airline jet ranks. It is all ahead. Tributes to Barbara Bush. We're going to get into what Starbucks is uh, is doing in the wake of this uh, situation with the racial bias in that store up uh, up in Pennsylvania. There's a lot to talk about here this morning, and we welcome you from the Frontgate Realty Studio on a Wednesday morning. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Join our conversation on what happened in the Southwest Airline flight at 407-916-5400. Text us to 23680. Standard message and data rates apply there. Right now, though, here's what's coming up immediately. Your chance to win your share of 880000 bucks in cash from our Make your wallet great again texting contest. You listen now for the new keyword of the hour. Then text that word to 200-200. Hey, you could be our next $1,000 winner. That's now, followed immediately by an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Undeniable and totally understandable terror at 30,000 feet when that engine exploded aboard that um, Southwest Airlines flight bound from LaGuardia Airport 
to Dallas, Texas. They had to make an emergency landing uh, in in Philadelphia. And yes, terror at 30,000 feet, but heroes, heroes at 30,000 feet as well. When the um, engine exploded, and the NTSB will have to definitively determine this, but it is believed what happened was that shrapnel peppered the side of the plane, and a piece of it broke right through a window, and right next to the window in, I think, row 17, was seated a um, well-regarded Wells Fargo bank executive, mother of two, wonderful marriage reportedly, just a terrific citizen involved in the community, an Albuquerque, New Mexico resident who was returning from a uh, business trip in New York City. 43-year-old Jennifer Reardon was apparently hit by whatever came through the exploding window, and then as the cabin depressurized, she was right there, and the suction got her and started to suck her through the window, if you can believe this, and the reports are that she was half out. From the waist up, she was out of that airplane doing 500 miles an hour at 30,000 feet where it's as cold as the top of Mount Everest. Somehow, she actually was alive when two heroes in that plane grabbed a hold of her and pulled her back in. Two strong guys it took to do it. And then they ministered to her, gave her CPR, did everything they could. The crew got involved. Ultimately, she died at the hospital. The heroes at 30,000 feet were not limited to the cabin. Nothing like having your commercial airline pilot be an ex-military pilot. You cannot do better than that. And I'll tell you what, we had one, and as cool as anybody could be, Tammy Joe Schultz, one of the first women ever to fly an F-18 military jet, quickly brought the plane down so everybody could breathe, which you can't do at 30,000 feet without the oxygen mass that were deployed, took it down to 10,000 feet. And it was harrowing because the people thought, well, my goodness, this looks like we're going to crash. She was just trying to get it down to an altitude where everybody could breathe and survive in that airplane, okay? And she did it. And it's remarkable, with the engine having exploded and all of this that she was hearing from the crew... How cool she was. I want you to listen to this exchange from pilot Tammy Joe Schultz and air traffic control. Listen to this. I advise you to maintain at about 2,200 for the MVA. Okay, could you have the medical meet us there on the runway as well? We've got injured passengers. Injured passengers, okay. And are you? is your airplane physically on fire? No, it's not on fire, but part of it's missing. They said there was a hole and, and uh, someone went out. Um, I'm sorry, you said there was a hole and somebody went out? Mm-hmm. South of 1380, it doesn't matter. We'll work it out there. Uh, so the airport's just off to your right. Report it in sight, please. In sight. You talk about cool, under fire, and under pressure. She landed that plane smooth as silk in the airport runway in Philadelphia and saved all 149 people on board. Remember, the woman half-sucked out was still alive when they landed. She was lost later at the hospital. Heroes, along with the terror, at 30,000 feet. Maybe the thought of this just terrifies you further 
to ever get on a plane. And the last thing you now want to do is to book a window seat. But do you have any idea how safe airline travel, commercial airline travel, has become in the United States of America? Do you realize how far down the list it is of things likely to kill you? It's remarkable. We'll give you that perspective in just a moment. 407-916-5400. If you have something to say about the heroes at 30,000 feet, our text line always open, never busy, 23680. Standard message and data rates apply. What is it about commercial airline travel just gets us so frightened that the worst is going to happen to us when statistics just scream that it is the absolute safest way to travel and among the least likely things you can do that would kill you. The stats are undeniable, but I guess there's something about being completely out of control in a situation several miles above the ground with your fate in the hands of machinery and the pilot that you don't know and maybe don't even see. <laughs> and I, I understand, you know, it, it's, an, it's amazing when you think about it. Yaffe, listen to the stats on this. We have 30,000 commercial airline flights a day in America. We have 11 million commercial airline flights per year or thereabouts. 11 million flights with, you know, hundreds of people on board, almost all of them. The Southwest Airline death of Jennifer Reardon yesterday sucked out of that window after the engine exploded and, and broke the glass at 30,000 feet. The first commercial airline death in the United States since 2009. Nine years ago, the Buffalo crash that killed 49. We haven't lost a single person with 11 million commercial flights a year in nine years. Isn't that astounding? I think about this every time I fly. I don't fly that often, but it's just amazing to me when you think of just those stats. Not only that, but everything that goes into building a plane, and it's just it's so safe, really. It's, it's, I'm amazed it's, more stuff like this doesn't happen. We are, we are so close to perfection, it's unbelievable. It used to be 20, 30, 40 years ago, you'd lose a plane every year or yeah. every year or two. You know, Hundreds of people would just have their lives snuffed out. Nine years, we hadn't lost one life until we lost one yesterday. I, and my heart aches for just how unlucky this woman was and, and the wonderful family and friends that she leaves behind. But that stat is an astounding. Steph, any idea how many people die in car and truck accidents in this country every year? Oh, God, millions. I mean, that's... Not millions. Okay. But it's close to 40,000. It's close to 40,000, okay? And yet we don't worry about getting behind the wheel much, do we? Because I think we feel that we can get out of any situation that's coming our way. Yeah, because we're in control. Because we're in control, right, exactly. All injury deaths in this country. We lose 214,000 people a year. From poisoning, we lose 57,000. Firearm deaths, we lose nearly 40,000. Let's go to the health meter here. Heart disease claims more than 600,000 of us every single year. Cancer, nearly 600,000. Respiratory diseases, 150,000. Stroke, 140,000. Alzheimer's, 110,000. Diabetes, 80,000. Flu and pneumonia, nearly 60,000. Suicides, 44,000. And yet what terrifies us the most is giving control over to an expert pilot on a well-inspected, I think in almost every case, airplane, 
and we've not lost a single person until yesterday in nine years. It's amazing. Yeah, I was about to say, you say 600,000 for heart disease, air travel, one now. Yeah. One. When you check the scorecard, now I I, I know though, because I, I, I share the same fears, Yeah. but the statistics make you feel like you need to go worry about something else. <laughs> it's very true. I mean, there's nothing lower on the list of things you're likely to die from than getting on an airplane in a commercial flight. Okay. It's amazing too when something like that happens, like an engine exploding, it can still land. You know? Oh, absolutely. If an engine explodes in your car, it probably would end up a lot worse for you. Well, there's a thought too. That plane can only land safely if you have somebody like Tammy Joe Schultz who had the expertise yeah. and the cool to pull it off and do it. Former uh, military. One of the first women ever to fly the F-18. Awesome. Wow. Oh, I've got goosebumps. And I hope you do, too. And a little perspective on terror at 30,000 feet, heroes at 30,000 feet, and how safe airline travel truly is. Download the absolutely free and phenomenal iHeartRadio app today. You will absolutely love it. It will just change your life in terms of revolutionizing your enjoyment of everything we do on WFLA and throughout our iHeartRadio network of more than 800 stations. The free iHeartRadio app. You're going to love it. Go check it out. Download it now. Coming up here at the bottom of the hour, Deborah Roberts checking in, my co-host with the news of uh, the passing of former First Lady Barbara Bush. We'll have more on that in the next half hour. And President Trump saying the U.S. already talking to North Korean officials. Good morning, Orlando, at 629. Bottom of the hour right now, and uh, down the hallway from the newsroom comes Deborah Roberts, my co-host and partner here to get us all up to date. And um, we've lost a beloved first lady, but boy, I'll tell you, for Barbara Bush, a long life, oh, so well lived, Deb. Yes, and we've all lost a beloved former first lady, but for our former governor, Jeb Bush, he lost his mother, and he says he and his family are grateful for the outpouring of love and support for his mother. Former First Lady Barbara Bush passed away last night in Houston at the age of 92 with her husband of 73 years at her side, former President George H.W. Bush. In a 2013 interview, she said although she thought her son Jeb was extremely qualified, she was not in favor of his running for president. I think it's a great country. There are a lot of great families, and uh, it's not just four families or whatever. There are, just, there are other people out there that are very qualified, and we've had enough Bushes. In a Facebook post, Jeb Bush remembered his mother as exceptionally gracious, gregarious, fun, funny, loving, tough, smart, and graceful. The former governor said he is privileged to be the son of George Bush and the woman who, quote, was the force of nature known as Barbara Bush, end quote. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. It's a great story and a great sound cut to hear again. We will hear more from Barbara Bush in our upcoming half hour. Yeah, I've got a funny one coming up where she references uh, Ferris Bueller's day off. Oh, really? Yes. That'll be fun. Yeah, it is fun. President Trump says the U.S. is engaged in high-level talks with North Korea. Speaking to reporters at his Mar-a-Lago estate yesterday, he said direct talks are underway at, quote, extremely high levels. They do have my blessing to discuss the end of the war. People don't realize the Korean War has not ended. It's going on right now, and uh, they are discussing an end to the war. So uh, subject to a deal, they would certainly have my blessing, and they do have my blessing to discuss that. Trump also noted that the two countries are considering five locations for a meeting between himself and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. None of those are in the U.S. 
And finally, there could be a lot more VIPs coming to South Florida over the next couple of years. President Trump is hosting Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe this week at Mar-a-Lago, and Trump says many other world leaders want to visit his Palm Beach home. The two are focused on North Korea, but also talking trade. As Japan looks for exemptions from U.S. tariffs on imported steel and aluminum, this is Abe's second visit to Mar-a-Lago, and China's president has also visited. Uh, Trump and Abe will play golf today, while the First Lady and Abe's wife tour the Flagler Museum. You can get these stories and more at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now with Gina Cervetti and the Bloomberg Business Report. Thank you, Deb. And Gina checks in now live from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City. Good Wednesday morning to you, Gina. How are you? I'm fine, bud. How about yourself? So far, so good. Let's talk about the stock futures and the wake of a pretty good day for the markets, I think. Yeah, it was a very good day, and the stock futures indicate more gains so far this morning as investors take heart from a solid start to the earnings season and signs of improving relations between the U.S. and North Korea. We have the uh, Dow futures up 41 points yesterday, a second straight day of gains, with the Dow up 214 to 24,787, the S&P up 29 or 1% to 2706, the Nasdaq jumping 125 to 7281, the Bloomberg Orlando index rose about three quarters of one percent. More earnings ahead today, including those from American Express. We also get the Fed's beige book of economic activity in the various districts, including Atlanta, which covers Florida. All right. Now, in the seven o'clock hour, we're going to be talking about the bold move by Starbucks. They're going to close down for a part of a day every single one of their coffee shops to deal with the problem they say they have with racial bias and some training here and whether or not that is necessary. I don't know whether it is or not, but I know it's going to be costly, right, uh, Gina? Yes, it uh, will close more than half of its U.S. stores for that bias training that you mentioned as it scrambles to restore trust after the arrest of two black patrons at a cafe in Philadelphia. Now, from a financial perspective, this closure could cost Starbucks almost $17 million in lost sales. But compare that to what the chain booked in revenue last year, which was $22.4 billion. Oh, so this would be a drop in the coffee cup, so to speak, right? So to speak. (laughs) Hey, listen, Disney really cleaning up at the box office with their superhero films. Arrival Movie Studio has, uh, has brought in a heavy hitter to try to even the score. What can you tell us about this? Well, the Time Warner film unit Warner Brothers has recruited Steven Spielberg to produce and possibly direct his first DC Comics film, Black Hawk, based on a comic book series from the 1940s, is about a squadron of World War II-era pilots battling foes flying fantastical war machines. Hiring Spielberg could be a major boost for the studio. Warner Brothers has struggled to get a consistent string of hits from its superheroes that match the bonanza that Disney has generated from its Marvel unit. Fair enough. And if you got one more item for us before we let you go, Gina? Well, I was going to talk about this uh, this uh, crash yesterday, or I sh- not a crash, obviously, but the situation involving the Southwest Airlines flight and, and comparing um, uh, this to the number of flights that have actually taken off and landed, Bud, since we had a last fatality involving 
uh, an accident and a major airline yeah in the we US. got into that but it's worth reinforcing particularly for folks who were just joining us go ahead Gina yes well almost a hundred million US operated airline flights had taken off and landed safely in this country but over nine years since the last time a passenger died in an accident but as you've been talking about that record was shattered yesterday when an engine on a Southwest jet exploded midair spewing shrapnel into a window and killing a passenger now the plane uh, as what well, we need to reinforce made that emergency landing in Philadelphia going back nine years the last fatal crash on a US carrier occurred near Buffalo that was February of 2009 that's when a Colgan Air commuter plane went down killing 50 uh, as you've mentioned this morning Southwest is stepping up inspections on its jet fleet after investigators said they discovered evidence of metal fatigue on the exploded engine involved in this situation here. Great perspective and much more to come on the aftermath of this story. Gina Savetti with the Daily Bloomberg Business Report. It's Can't Miss Radio every morning right here on the 50,000-watt front porch at 635. Have a great day. We'll catch you tomorrow. Same time, Gina. You too, bud. Thanks. All right. Thank you much. Coming up here, uh, remembering Barbara Bush. And then we're playing our sound judgment game. We do it every day. We've got a prize worth more than 250 bucks. so stay tuned. You could be our winner. All of this in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic to be updated in two minutes for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Tributes pouring in from all over. Barbara Bush and well wishes for her huge family that loved her so dearly, and the feeling was clearly mutual. She was the real deal. She was kind of like, you know, everybody's grandmother. I mean, she she was feisty and opinionated, but she was never mean-spirited. She had a great long-running literacy campaign that she championed that changed lives here and around the world. Um, She was humble. She always seemed to know how to say the right thing in a way that you remembered and felt good about. I think you could make the case that she is the most popular, liked, Loved First Lady across party lines, maybe ever. And she's gone to be with the Lord at age 92. A statement from her husband of 73 years, um, former President George H.W. Bush, Bush 41, saluted her for being such a proponent of family literacy, focused on the fact that she is survived by five children, 17 grandchildren, seven great-grandchildren, and a brother, um... Tributes from uh, the Trumps, Donald and Melania. Uh, we join the nation in celebrating the life of Barbara Bush. It goes on and on and on. Later, I'll um, I'll give you the statement from um, Bush 43 and from uh, Jeb. Uh, but right now, I want to make a little bit of time for us to um, spend a little bit of time with the one and only late first lady and only one of two people in the history of the United States to be married to a president, and to be mother to a president. The other was Abigail Adams, married to John Adams, and the mother of President John Quincy Adams. The faith that Barbara and George Bush shared really does explain why Barbara can say that she was able to face death without fear. Listen to this. I pray, George and I pray every night out loud, and sometimes we fight over whose turn it is, but we do. And uh, I have no fear of death. 
which is a huge comfort because we're getting darn close. <laughs> and I don't have a fear of death for my precious George or for myself because I know that there is a great God. And in her inimitable way, some advice now from the late Barbara Bush on what we really ought to be doing in our lives now so that we are at peace when our time comes. At the end of your life, you will never regret not having passed one more test, winning one more verdict, or not closing one more deal. You will regret time not spent with a husband, a child, a friend, or a parent. Oh, you are so right, Barbara. Key to Barbara Bush's popularity, her keen wit, her sense of humor, and an ability to make a point without being mean-spirited about it. Here she is giving a commencement address at a women's college. Somewhere out in this audience may even be someone who will one day follow in my footsteps and preside over the White House as the president's spouse, and I wish him well. (laughs) (laughs) And... The ladies loved it at the college. Formerly, or finally rather, Barbara Bush on the keys to the great love she shared with former President George H.W. Bush, her husband of 73 years. Humor. And the fact he is, as Jeb says, the world's greatest man. I fell in love with him practically at first sight. Probably. Went home and told my mother about him. She was, should have been the head of the CIA. She knew everything about him the next morning. <laughs> but, but he's just a... I, he's a very giving... He's never once said no to me. True love, Barbara and George Bush. The longest married first couple in American history. 73 years together. Barbara's gone on to glory at age 92. An update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic coming up here in two minutes. And, oh, let me mention, first of all, we're playing our sound judgment game for Christian Film and Music Festival tickets. Special producer tickets locally worth more than 250 bucks. If you haven't won sound judgment, you're eligible to play. The only way to play and win this amazing prize, great family prize here, is to get on the 50,000-watt front porch via phone right now. Call me. 407-916-5400 to play Sound Judgment, 407-916-5400. A family four-pack of tickets to this amazing international event locally worth more than $250. You don't want to miss this opportunity. You're next on Sound Judgment, and uh, we'll have that, as I say, along with an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic coming your way in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Full bank of callers and contestants to play Sound Judgment. If we get a wrong answer, we'll open up a line for you folks getting a busy signal now to jump in at 407-916-5400. Now, Steph, how about some particulars on that valuable prize we're giving away today? That's right, bud. Our Sound Judgment today is a $260 value. And if you're our winner, you're going to the International Christian Film and Music Festival on us. It's coming up May 1st through the 5th at the fabulous Wyndham Orlando Resort. Today's winner gets a family four-pack of producer tickets that give you access to movies, seminars, private screenings, special musical presentations, and award ceremonies. Among the highlights, you'll meet the top Christian artists, see Kirk Cameron honored with a Lifetime Achievement Award, attend a special screening of God's Not Dead, A Light in the Darkness, and be able to select from more than 150 Christian films, many of them world premieres. 
For more on the International Christian Film and Music Festival, go to internationalcff.com. We give away a lot of great prizes, but not too many that are worth more than 250 bucks. We're ready to play. There are some 8,000 Starbucks coffee shops, but only one is making headlines. The one where a store manager called the cops because two black men weren't ordering anything and refused to leave when told to do so. It's been a big story this week. Audio from the 911 call has just been released, and it may be the most low-key 911 call I've ever heard. I want you to listen to the sound of that call, then use your sound judgment to tell me what major city this Starbucks is in. Matthew Police, Arbiter 363, how may I help you? Hi, I have two gentlemen in my cafe that are refusing to make a purchase or leave. Um, I'm at the Starbucks at 18th and Spruce. It's been all over the news. What major U.S. city is that Starbucks in that's embroiled in this controversy about which we will talk more in our 7 o'clock hour? Let's just, for the fun of it, start on line three and see how we do. Go ahead, line three. Oak Hill. What major American city? 407-916-5400. I want to hear the name of a major American city. Line one, go ahead. Philadelphia. Yeah, we got a winner. You have won the producer tickets. I hope you're excited. It is a phenomenal prize. I am very excited. Thank you. Wonderful. What's your first name, please? Ronnie. Rhonda. Rhonda. Calling in from where? Lake Buena Vista. Fantastic. And it's great to have you on the 50,000 Watt Front Porch. Thanks for listening to our show, Rhonda. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy your time at the Christian Film and Music Festival. In a moment, I'm going to put you on hold, and you and Steph will talk it over and make it happen, okay? Okay, great. Thank you. God bless you, and uh, we hope you keep on listening. So there we go. Yeah, we are going to get into this Starbucks situation, okay? Yesterday we talked about it, and it's really I mean, unbelievable that they called the cops and these, these two black guys who just were sitting there waiting for someone else to come and were asked to leave. I said, no, we're waiting for a friend. And the friend showed up only to see these two guys being cuffed and led away where they were held for nine hours. I mean, it was outrageous what happened. I just think Starbucks has gone overboard by shuttering all of these stores for one day or part of a day for racial bias training. I mean, is this necessary or is there a better way to deal with this situation? If I ran Starbucks, I'd tell you what I'd do. If you were the CEO, would you do what they're doing? Or would you find another way to deal with this situation? 407-916-5400 for that topic in our 7 o'clock hour. Good morning, Orlando. The top of the morning to you on a beautiful, clear Wednesday morning at 7 o'clock as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you right here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning former First Lady Barbara Bush has died, and veterans rally to support a business at the center of a military flag controversy. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. Starbucks closing 8,000 stores for anti-bias training? What? Is this necessary? We're going to debate it next on Good Morning Orlando. And good Wednesday morning at 7.03 on News Radio 102.5. American flags are at half-staff for former First Lady Barbara Bush. 
Mrs. Bush died last night in Houston at the age of 92. You may not know this, but the former first lady was known for her sense of humor. In June of 1990, she addressed the graduating class of Wellesley College, urging them all to find joy in life. Find the joy in life. Because as Ferris Bueller said on his day off, <laughs> life moves pretty fast. And you don't stop and look around once in a while, you're going to miss it. Everybody loved her. Everybody loved her. And flags at all federal buildings, military bases, and American embassies will lower their flags until sunset on the day Mrs. Bush is laid to rest. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. And if you're like me, the first person you think of after Barbara Bush is her husband. And former President George H.W. Bush is heartbroken, as you can imagine, over the death of his wife of 73 years. Former First Lady Barbara Bush, a statement from Bush's office, said the former president held her hand all day yesterday and was mm. at her side when she passed away. The two were married for 73 years. Bush is remaining, quote, stoic and strong, end quote, and his family helping him through this difficult time. Barbara Bush had been in failing health and recently, just in the last 24 hours, uh, refused further medical treatment. Former President George H.W. Bush is 93. In other news, the Supreme Court is handing the Trump administration a setback on immigration policy. Surprisingly, conservative Justice Neil Gorsuch sided yesterday with liberals in a 5-4 to four vote against a federal law that requires mandatory deportation of immigrants for violent crimes. The court found the law unconstitutionally vague. The decision strikes down a provision of the Immigration and Nationality Act that defines a crime of violence. That was a shocker for me, and I'm sure yeah. it was for President Trump, who can't be too happy that his pick voted with the libs on the court. Yeah, I was surprised by that myself when I read it. All right, despite an apology, a Jacksonville official could lose her job over an incident that went viral. Jacksonville Mayor Lenny Curry yesterday placed code enforcement officer Melinda Powers and her supervisor on leave after they were seen on video berating people in a motorcycle shop. The manager at that motorcycle dealer made that video that went viral after he was told to take down flags representing the armed forces. And we just had the city of Jacksonville here on site to cite us for our military flags. That's right. We just got a ticket in the city of Jacksonville, military-bound city, for flying military flags. And that's not even the worst part about it. At one point, Powers allegedly told a veteran who was shopping in the motorcycle shop that he did nothing for our country. Powers posted an apology on Facebook, but after millions viewed the video online, a petition was started calling for her and her supervisor to be fired. Mayor Curry is telling staffers to give banners for the armed services the same respect as the Stars and Stripes. Meanwhile, that viral video is bringing that Jacksonville business a lot of attention and support. People from all over the world have contacted Jaguar Power Sport to thank it for proudly flying military flags. My hair is catching fire over this. Yaffe, let's earmark that and talk about it on tomorrow's show, shall we? I told you. All right. <laughs> Done deal. All right, well, here's some good news for our veterans. The Trump administration is moving to help cancel student loan debts for thousands of disabled veterans. The Department of Education and the Department of Veterans Affairs announced this week they'll work to identify disabled student loan borrowers who are eligible to have their debts forgiven. Veterans will be notified by mail and get applications for discharge of the debts. Veterans, uh, veterans advocacy groups say the outreach is important because many disabled vets don't know they can be eligible to have their student loan debts forgiven, and they should simply for putting on the uniform. That's yeah. just me. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm with you on that important story did nothing for our country. How could you stand there and say that to him? 
I'm catching fire all over again. I was settling down. Now you got me riled up again. Well, it can't let you fall asleep. It's only 7.07. <laughs> Who could fall asleep listening to you do the news? Are you kidding me? No way. Nobody could. WFLA News Time, like I just said, it is 7.07. Want some more veterans news? Well, you can watch as a Georgia woman is arrested for assaulting a pregnant soldier over a parking space. What is going on here? Are we forgetting? People who put on the uniform, they get that parking space. Lest we forget. Lest we forget. Absolutely. See the video for yourself at 1025WFLA.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. You know the Starbucks story, the racial bias, the um, store manager who called the cops who came and arrested two black guys who were just sitting there waiting for a friend, weren't ordering anything, so she said, you got to leave. Well, they don't have to leave. This is outrageous what happened here, and I think it clearly was racial bias. We talked about it at length yesterday, and I wonder what Starbucks was going to do. Well, they've decided they're going to close for an afternoon eight thousand stores so that they can do training on how not to be racially biased that seems a little extreme to me it does it because it's one manager in one city yes and now everybody in the company has to pay for it as do their customers if you look forward to that afternoon caffeine fix and you only get it at starbucks (laughs) this is going to inconvenience a whole lot of people over one manager's inability to see past their own racial bias. I think they're going way overboard. If you were CEO of Starbucks, how would you handle this situation? My take and yours coming up from the Frontgate Realty Studio. We continue. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Stay tuned for your shot at winning your share of $880,000 in cold cash at our Make Your Wallet Great Again texting contest. Here's the deal. Listen now for the new keyword of the hour coming up in seconds. You text that word to 200-200. Hey, you could be our next $1,000 winner like the one we just had a while back up in Deltona. Why not you? It's coming right up. Then an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. So yesterday, we ripped into this um, manager at the Starbucks in Philadelphia who saw two black men sitting doing nothing offensive but sitting in the coffee shop, waiting for a friend who had yet to arrive. They wanted to use the restroom. They said, well, you have to order something to use the restroom. And they said, or you need to leave. And they wouldn't leave because they said, we're not going to order anything now. We're waiting for a friend, okay? And um, they called the cops on him. The cops cuffed him and led him away, held him for nine hours. And then let him go when Starbucks said they had no interest in prosecuting. They have since removed that manager, the woman who had called 911 on this situation here. It's ridiculous. It's a clear case, I think, of racial profiling and racial bias. And we talked about it yesterday. I can't tell you the number of times that I have seen people sit in places like Starbucks or Panera's or whatever else that welcome people to just kind of come in and hang out, okay? Waiting for somebody else, maybe? Maybe not. I've never been told I need to order something or I can't use the restroom. But I'm white. I think it was clearly a case of racial bias. You thought these guys were going to be up to no good or something? Well, it's outrageous. But in response, it's ridiculous. 
Starbucks CEO, it's a very liberal company, Kevin Johnson, has announced a closing all 8,000 of the company-owned Starbucks across this country for the afternoon of May 29th, and all employees will undergo racial bias training. Doesn't this seem a little extreme? As Deb and I were agreeing, for crying out loud, this is one manager, one bad apple who needs to be straightened out or removed from the not only the premises, but I think the company. And that's it. This isn't going rampant around the country. There's no indication that it is. If I were CEO of Starbucks, here is what I would do. I would send out a bold font email to every employee telling them that this is grounds for termination if you treat customers in this way and that you are to be colorblind when you're at work. You ought to be all the time. And that's it. If you do anything like this, you're going to be working somewhere else immediately. And that's it. Closing 8,000 stores for an entire afternoon so everybody undergoes racial bias training when all you have is one store and one bad apple. What's going on here? Why are they doing this? It seems awfully extreme to me. If you were the CEO of Starbucks, what would you do? And why do you think Starbucks is going way overboard like this? You tell me, 407-916-5400, text line 23680. I don't know, Yaffe, it just seems extreme. It seems overdone. It seems overboard. It seems like, you know, whacking a mosquito with a sledgehammer. Uh, What's going on with Starbucks here? I mean, well, it's 2018, bud. This is what we do now. We overreact to everything. You know, when this first started, it didn't even occur to me to blame Starbucks, the company, for this. Right. I mean, how many blacks work for Starbucks every day? How many blacks shop at Starbucks without issue every day? Now we're going to boycott Starbucks and hurt their business and they have to close for sensitivity training. This is, it's way overblown. It's ridiculous. And, and you know what? We have training, sensitivity training. Um, you know, it, it, it race comes up and all of this. It's all done on the computer. You have to take the training. You know what's grounds for termination. They never shut down our, no. our radio station for it, racial bias training. It's a PR move, just like you said. That's what it is. Maybe they're worried about the protesters they had in that store. And this is they kind are? of diffuse this. I don't know. Let's get some perspective from Sherry in Geneva. Good morning, Sherry. What do you think? Good morning. I just want to let you know that uh, last night they reported on the news they had somebody uh, videotaping a store in California where an African-American gentleman asked to use the bathroom and get the code, and they refused to give it to him. Oh, I remember that. I remember that. You're right. And then, yeah, and then a white guy right after him asked, and they gave him the code. So I think that there's probably more complaints and Starbucks has a bigger problem that we just don't know all the incidents that this has happened at. Seems to me it could be handled in a, in a, in a corporate-wide email, but uh, I guess they can do what they want. Thank you for that. I can't tell you the number of times that I have seen people sit in stores, stores like a Starbucks. They invite this kind of thing. Just come in, hang out, chill out, you know? Panera does the same thing. People use it for an unofficial office. I've used it that way. I've waited an hour for someone else to come and join me, and no one has ever come and questioned me if I went to the restroom or or said, you're not ordering anything, you need to get out of here. They haven't done that ever with me. I've never seen it done with any 
body. It shouldn't be done to anybody. I and, have been to restaurants where they say only paying customers can use the restroom. But, but here's the thing. Starbucks and places like Panera, they market this invitation. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And, 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 and so, okay, you got, you got a case of a manager who's got a race hang-up in one store. And now everybody has to go through this as though we've got racial bias running rampant across Starbucks. Yes, we just cited another case in California, but I think these are these are exceptions rather than a rule, don't you? To Melbourne we go. Ben, good morning. How you doing, bud? Excellent show. Thank you. Great to have you part of it. I, had a, I have a daughter and her husband used to go to Manhattan once a month for his chemotherapy. And... Mm-hmm. Downtown Manhattan, it's a problem. You can't walk into any restaurant just to use the restroom. They're spending thousands and thousands of right. dollars per month just for their their uh, store. Uh, yeah, but yeah, but, but here here's the problem, Ben. With all due respect, thank you for calling. Uh, uh, yes, I agree with that. I've run into that in New York City, but Starbucks and Panera, places like that, that's not the way they play the game. They, they, they make this as something that, that, that is an asset that is unique to them. Come on in, hang out, chill out, you know, no hassle, all of that kind of thing. That, that, that's why I have such a particular problem with what went on in Philadelphia. Uh, Joe and Titusville, what do you think? Well, I, I, from a business standpoint, it does make sense, and I'll tell you why. And you've made the point, you just haven't put it together. Okay, it's a matter of... They're going to sue Starbucks for about $5 million for this one incident. How do you okay. know that? Remember the girl who— Has that been announced? I'm not aware of that. It's coming. Just wait. Uh, remember the girl who put the coffee cup between her legs and sued uh, McDonald's for $8 million because— the Yeah, I remember the hot coffee, hot right. Yep, yep. And, and it wasn't—and that led to them putting hot— on the coffee cup. So this like, is all about diffusing lawsuits. It's protecting the company from lawsuits. Got it. Thank you. On the text line, Yaffe, what's coming in on this? Uh, yes, but a lot of different reaction. One person agrees what Starbucks is doing, says the key to solving racism is education. I believe that Starbucks is te- attempting to prevent any further incidents like this in any of their stores. Another texter said, I think talking to me because I had mentioned boycotting, says it's not boycotting. Right. The sensitivity training thing is not a boycott, but there have been massive calls for boycotts by Black Lives Matter and other things. I mean, it was trending on Twitter, boycott Starbucks. So that's why I mentioned boycotts. Okay, fair enough. Trevor Roberts joining us again from the newsroom here. My co-host and partner on the 50,000 watch front porch with the big story. The passing of former First Lady Barbara Bush, the one and only Barbara Bush. And three former presidents are saying farewell to Barbara Bush. The former First Lady passed away yesterday at the age of 92. Barbara Bush addressed a roaring crowd at the 1992 Republican National Convention in which she played up her husband, who was then running against Bill Clinton and Ross Perot. I always feel wonderful when I get to talk about the strongest, the most decent, the most caring, the wisest, yes, and the healthiest man I know. 
Barack and Michelle Obama said in a statement they'll always be grateful for Mrs. Bush's generosity during their time in the White House. Bill and Hillary Clinton issued a statement describing Barbara Bush as a remarkable woman. And Jimmy and Rosalind Carter said Barbara Bush touched the hearts of millions with her warmth and generosity. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Time now for a new edition of Florida. Uh-oh, here it comes. Yep. Never short of material there, are you, Dave? No, no, it's it's an ever it's an ever-given font. <laughs> a Florida man ended up in jail after his own dashboard camera showed police more than he had intended. Okay. The Palm Beach Post reports that after 25-year-old Xavier Moran was involved in a car crash on April 5th, he told a sheriff's deputy he'd been cut off by another driver and could prove it with his dashboard camera. He then signed a consent waiver to search the camera. Ooh, not smart. No. When the Palm Beach County Sheriff's deputy reviewed the footage, oops, he saw Moran burglarizing a beauty store. Turns out authorities say that same video he thought was going to get him off the hook showed Moran taking a baseball bat from the trunk of his car and someone using that bat to break the glass door to the store. He was arrested Tuesday on burglary charges. Only in Florida, right, Yaffe? <laughs> it never ends. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I know. It writes know itself. It writes itself. All right. Well, here's another one. Yo. Further out west, this is not Florida. This is Oklahoma. Investigators say a woman's obituary helped federal agents capture her fugitive son nearly four decades after he escaped from an Oklahoma prison. How did that happen? Proof positive that law enforcement reads everything, including obituaries. The U.S. Marshals Service says 58-year-old Stephen Michael Paris was arrested without incident Thursday at an office in Houston where he worked under a pseudonym. Well, the agency says investigators tracked him down after an obituary for his mother in Houston listed a son named uh, Stephen Chavez, the same alias Paris used while living and working in the Houston area. Fingerprints confirmed his identity. Paris escaped from the Just Dunn Correctional Center in Muskogee, Oklahoma in October 1981. He escaped after serving about 19 months of a nine-year sentence for drug possession and distribution. He was also featured on the Oklahoma Department of Corrections' Most Wanted list. Thanks, Mom. Man, we got so many great cops, you know? We do. And and that is unbelievable police work. It They'll really is. Go where the ends of the earth to find you if, yeah. you, if, they, if you need to be found. There you go. So Love there it. you have it. Thanks, Deb Meister. You're welcome, bud. You're going to be back with your legal brief segment live with Attorney Jeff Kaufman uh, in one hour here. It's yes. every Wednesday at 8 What are you going to be talking about this morning? Today we're going to be talking about the lawsuit from the kids uh, we just heard about yesterday. Eight kids in Florida ranging in age from 20 to 10 suing the governor, the state, the agriculture commissioner, and the Florida Public Service Commission over global warming. Also want to get him to weigh in on the latest with Michael Cohen, the restraining order, what the judge's latest ruling means for his case. Trump's lawyer Trump's and lawyer, all yes. of that that's been yeah. going on this week. But uh, also we had some listeners who came through with their own personal questions last week. We had a question about SunPass transponders. Um, so if you have a pressing legal matter that yeah. you'd like to get some free legal advice on, you can text us to 23680. Standard message and data rates do apply. But We'll cover those two topics, but first we'll get to listener questions. Fantastic. It's Legal Briefs with Deb and Attorney Jeff Kaufman. One hour from now, be here. We have lost a humble giant here in central Florida. I noted the passing yesterday when the news came down of 91-year-old Henry Landworth. 
Do you know his story? It is remarkable. And he will live on. His legacy is the lives of seriously, terminally ill children all around the world. Their lives enhanced and lengthened for as much time as they have by his commitment to give them a very special place to come to share in the magic at the theme parks here in Central Florida and other attractions as well. He's the creator of Give Kids the World Village. It's a nonprofit resort in Kissimmee for kids with life-threatening illnesses and their families. They provide accommodations and access to donated theme park tickets. The resort includes 168 villas, 79 acres, 88 of the villas refurbished in a renovation back in 2014. Give Kids the World was founded by Henry Landworth. And just think about what this man has gone through in his life. The childhood he didn't have, he now loves to give to kids, and he had for so many years until his passing yesterday. Hope and life and quality of life. He was a Belgian Holocaust survivor who spent five years in his youth in Nazi concentration camps. His parents were killed by the Nazis. Landworth, after the war, immigrated to the United States. He had 20 dollars to his name. Twenty bucks in his pocket, couldn't speak a word of English. He studied hotel management in New York. Later on, he opened hotels in the Orlando area and then became passionate about helping sick kids fulfill their dream of a family vacation. He took to providing hotel accommodations for families of, of kids with life-threatening illnesses who wanted to visit Walt Disney World and other nearby attractions and theme parks. Every year, the village he founded Welcomed, welcomes, I should say, more than 7,000 families from all across the U.S. and 75 countries. Here's a, a little sound I found on Henry uh, Landworth I'll share with you now. How he got the inspiration to create his Give Kids the World Village. It stemmed from his first contact with the head of the Make-A-Wish Foundation that raises money to fund dream vacations for terminally ill children and their families. I met the executive director of Make-A-Wish Foundation. And I told him that I like to help the families coming into this area. And they say, we need a place for them to come. I couldn't do enough. I just couldn't. Because I have seen myself in these children's faces. It was exactly what I was hoping I could do. Henry Landworth now on how gratifying it is to see how the kids, most of them very sick, without much time left to enjoy their lives, just light up when they are at his Give Kids the World Village. I like to believe that we are prolonging their lives. Something happens to that child. Their little system is is amazing. I believe in what I'm doing here for sure, and I wouldn't want it to change that for one second. There's something here that that makes it happen. And there must be God's. God is right here in this village. And you're in the palm of God's hand today, we have no doubt. Henry Landworth, a quiet, humble giant here, denied a childhood that was spent largely in Nazi concentration camps. And now, changing just so many lives of children over the years, with his amazing vision that he brought to fruition 
of the Give Kids the World Village in Kissimmee. What an extraordinary man. God bless you. And uh, Henry Landworth, thank you for all you have done, and you have made us so proud here in Central Florida. The Rush Morning Update and an update for you on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Two minutes out here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Good morning, Orlando. So glad to have you with us here at 8 o'clock on the 50,000 watt front porch for our latest check of Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning former First Lady Barbara Bush has died, and SpaceX will give a satellite launch another try tonight. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. And on that Southwest Airlines flight with the exploding engine amid the terror at 30,000 feet, we pay tribute to the heroes next on Good Morning Orlando. And good Wednesday morning. It's 8.03 on News Radio 102.5. Funeral services for former First Lady Barbara Bush are scheduled this week in Houston. Mrs. Bush died yesterday at the age of 92. Mrs. Bush will lie in repose at St. Martin's Episcopal Church in Houston, where a public viewing will run from noon to midnight Friday. A memorial service is scheduled for 11 a.m. Saturday at the same church. She and Abigail Adams are the only women married to one president and others of another. The former first lady addressing the graduating class at Wellesley University in June of 1990 spoke about the importance of finding the joy of life, referencing her own joy at marrying the former president. One of the reasons I made the most important decision of my life to marry George Bush is because he made me laugh. It's true, sometimes we laugh through our tears, but that shared laughter has been one of our strongest bonds. Yeah, and I meant to say uh, married to one president and mothers of another. Yeah, missed copy. The wife of former President George H.W. Bush will be buried at the Bush Presidential Library Center in College Station, Texas. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A New Mexico woman is dead after an engine on a Southwest Airlines plane exploded yesterday. Jennifer Reardon was pulled partway out of a window, shattered by shrapnel from that engine. Passenger Tim McGinty said he and another passenger, a firefighter from Texas, worked together to pull her back into the plane. I think the shrapnel from the engine busting, uh, busted the window, and then the vacuum just pulled her out. And she's a very you know, small, petite lady. The 43-year-old bank executive and married mother of two was pronounced dead at a Philadelphia hospital. The Boeing 737 was about 20 minutes into a scheduled flight from New York's LaGuardia Airport to Dallas-Fort Worth. The plane landed safely at Philadelphia International Airport, but just this morning Fox News reports that another Southwest Airlines flight was forced to land in Nashville this morning shortly after takeoff after experiencing a bird strike. And other flying news, New York City is banning open-door helicopter flights following a deadly crash in the East River. Remember when five people were killed last month when a New Jersey-based sightseeing chopper went down and the passengers were unable to escape their harnesses. The New York Daily News is reporting that doors-off helicopter flights will be barred from taking off in all five boroughs. The only spot in the city where tourist flights are allowed to take off is the downtown Manhattan heliport, which currently doesn't have any open-door flights. And finally, SpaceX will try again tonight to launch a NASA satellite from Cape Canaveral Air Force Station. Liftoff was scrubbed on Monday with SpaceX saying it needed additional time to analyze the Falcon 9 rocket's guidance, navigation, and control systems. 
Former astronaut Mike Massimino told Fox News, this is the latest and most sophisticated in a series of planet hunters. It's going to find planets and other solar systems uh, in, a, in a way that's going to uh, broaden our, our, mm. our knowledge of those planets. Uh, we've been looking at it for about 20 years. We know there have been planets and other solar systems. Hubble found some. Kepler spacecraft has found a few thousand of them. And now we're really going to open up the window. Massimino had flown on a space shuttle and had actually worked on the Hubble Space Telescope. A 30-second launch window opens at 6.51 p.m. Eastern Time, and the Air Force says there's a better than 90% chance of favorable weather conditions. NASA's TESS, or Transiting Exoplanet Survey Satellite, is designed to search out planets orbiting other stars that might support life as we know it. It's interesting how they'll find them. They're going to look for dips in light to know when that when that planet is passing in front of the star. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating how they do it. WFLA News Time, it's 8.07. Read about YouTube employees saying violent threats from the app creators. They're common. At 1025WFLA.com, the third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. From News Radio 1025, this is Good Morning Orlando. Hey, Deb, while I have you here, before you retreat to the newsroom to get the next newscast ready for us on Good Morning Orlando, you'll be back with your weekly legal brief segment with attorney Jeff Kaufman at 840 this morning. What are you guys going to be talking about? Well, we're going to be talking about the latest with uh, President Trump's personal attorney, Michael Cohen, with his restraining order against federal investigators. Also might want to talk to him about the new lawsuit filed by eight children in the state of Florida against the governor and other state officials. But we also, most importantly, want to get to a text that a listener had sent in about a current tenant bringing in a dog without permission. And if you have a pressing legal matter that you would love some fantastic free legal advice about, uh, all you got to do is text us, uh, standard message and data rates apply, but get that question in, 23680, and we'll tackle it at 840 with our legal briefs. Good deal. We're looking forward to it, Deb. You set the table on the story of that terrifying situation on the Southwest Airline flight yesterday. We're going to salute the heroes, and one of them is an extraordinary woman who happened to be the pilot of that plane, and 149 yeah. people may be alive this morning yeah. as a result of the fact that she was at the controls. It's an amazing story. Her background is extraordinary. And uh, we're also going to talk about how incredibly safe, in the face of what just happened yesterday, people get nervous, how safe commercial airline travel has become in America. Right now, stay tuned for your shot at winning a share of $880,000 in cash or to make your wallet great again. Texting contest. We got the new keyword of the hour coming up in a second here. And then text that to 200 200. You could be our next $1,000 winner. Had one recently in Volusia County. And uh, we'll have an update as well in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic as always in two minutes. Stick around on News Radio 1025 WFLA. So, aboard that crippled Southwest Airline plane headed from New York to Dallas. The heroic efforts to save the passenger who was sitting in the window that was shattered by shrapnel from the um, fan blades in this engine right next to her, and the thing was breaking up. And um, she suddenly found herself, as the cabin depressurized, right at the nexus of all of that suction, and she was being sucked out of the plane at 30,000 feet. And there was this heroic effort by these two male passengers who went there, and half her body was out of the plane at 30,000 feet at 500 miles an hour. Can you even imagine that? I don't even know if she was conscious. Maybe she'd be better if she wasn't, because I don't know how they could have saved her anyway in that situation here. Maybe she'd been hit by the shrapnel. We don't know. The investigation will show that. But they 
they managed to pull her in, or she just would have been gone. So there are heroes in the cabin, but there is one hero in the in the cockpit who's really the hero of them all. Landed the plane safely, saved 149 lives, flew for 10 minutes on one engine, and was cool and calm and collected and happens to be female. Tammy Jo Schultz, one of the first women in the military ever to fly an F-18 jet, has been with Southwest Airlines since 1993. You know, ex-military, you can't do better than that when they turn to commercial aviation to continue their careers. She was so cool, so calm and collected when all of this was going on behind her in that plane. Listen to pilot Tammy Jo Schultz talking with air traffic control. Okay, could you have the uh, medical meet us there on the runway as well? We've got uh, injured passengers. Injured passengers, okay, and are you, is your airplane physically on fire? No, it's not on fire, but part of it's missing. They said there was a hole and, and uh, someone went out. Um, I'm sorry, you said there was a hole and somebody went out? Mm-hmm. South of 1380, it doesn't matter. We'll work it out there. Uh, so the airport's just off to your right. Report it in sight, please. In sight. Tammy Joe Schultz brought that plane down for a smooth landing on one engine, dropping from 30,000 to 10,000 feet in a matter of minutes so everybody could breathe on their own in the plane and then taking it in from there. There's a great shot of her being greeted by these passengers who are exiting the plane. I mean, can you even imagine? Can you even imagine a scenario like that? Heroes amid the terror at 30,000 feet. And now we have a bird strike that uh, forced a plane in um, Nashville to make an emergency landing this morning, and all of a sudden everybody's getting paranoid about flying, right? Don't be. Of all the things you are likely to die from, boarding a commercial plane in America is unbelievably far down the list. I have the list, and I will share it with you in a moment. And I hope it makes you feel a little bit better about your next flight. It's astounding when you think of it. Yesterday, the tragic death at 30,000 feet of 43-year-old Jennifer Reardon of Albuquerque, New Mexico, mother of two, happily married, great community leader, top executive for Wells Fargo Bank on her way back from a business meeting in New York City, halfway sucked out of that plane, and lost her life. It is the first commercial airline fatality in the United States since 2009. Nine years ago, the last 49 dead in a, I think, winter weather-related crash in the Buffalo, New York area. Since then, a perfect record. It's astounding when you think of that. There are 30,000 commercial airline flights a day in this country. 11 million commercial airline flights a year and 100 million commercial flights since the last fatality. And every one of them with hundreds of people on board, right? It's unbelievable how safe airline travel has become. And yet we feel much safer behind the wheel of our car than we do in a plane because we think we have control and we can get out of any kind of a crisis and save our own lives. 
and we have no control at 30,000 feet. We get that. I understand the psychology of it, but it's crazy when you look at the statistics. Yaffe, we lose nearly 40,000 people a year in vehicle accidents. And we went nine years without losing a single life in U.S. commercial airline travel. And yet we're more comfortable getting behind the wheel of a car. It's incredible, isn't it? When you think about it, it's irrational. But I understand the psychology, too. I feel the same thing when I'm on a plane. Well, yeah, me too. You know, you think about the fact, it's one of the first things you think about if you don't fly very often. It's like, oh, what happens if something happens to the plane? But a lot of times I think about how miraculous it is that there aren't more plane accidents. There used to be more. Yeah. It's amazing how much better this scenario has gotten here in this country. Yeah. You know, around the rest of the world, not so much. But here, it's really an astounding traffic record, and and uh, we really have to salute all of those who are responsible for that. You know, there are lots of other things you're more likely to die from than a crash in a commercial airliner. Um, for example, um, we have nearly 40,000 firearm deaths a year. As I say, about 40,000 vehicle deaths here. Um, all injury deaths amount to 214,000 a year in America. Poisoning deaths total 57,000. Look at heart disease. It claims more than 600,000 lives annually in this country. Cancer, nearly 600,000. Respiratory diseases, 155,000. Uh, stroke, 140,000. Alzheimer's, 110,000. Diabetes, about 80,000. Flu and pneumonia, 57,000 deaths a year in this country. And suicides, 44,000. We went nine years without losing a single life on a commercial airline flight until this poor woman died in that tragic situation at 30,000 feet on the Southwest Airlines flight. I don't know whether that's any consolation to you, but if you're panicked now about the next time you're going to fly, think hard about these statistics here. It's about the safest thing that you can do, and the risk of dying in a commercial jetliner is less than virtually anything else you can think of. And the statistics prove it. Bottom of the hour, Deborah Roberts coming up here with the news on the passing of former First Lady Barbara Bush and tumbleweeds taking over a California city. And then she's live with attorney Jeff Kaufman for the weekly legal brief segment. And she'll be talking about what the future might hold for Trump's embattled lawyer and for the president himself. And this lawsuit by a bunch of Florida kids over climate change. Could they prevail? If so, what would it mean? And if you have a legal question, you can text it right now for Deb and Attorney Kaufman at 23680. Text it to 23680, your legal issues and questions. Good morning, Orlando. Good morning to you at 829. Deborah Roberts joining us in advance of her weekly legal briefs segment with attorney Jeff Kaufman. The news update right now, and of course, one of the big stories, the passing of First Lady Barbara Bush. Yes, and she was the first lady to America, to the people, and the public is invited to pay their respects to the late Barbara Bush. The former first lady and wife of President George H.W. Bush died yesterday at age 92. Her funeral will be Saturday at St. Martin's Church in Houston. The public is invited to pay their respects Friday at the church where Mrs. Bush will lie in repose from noon until midnight. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Also out west, a city in California is being taken over by tumbleweeds. People who live in Victorville had to call the city for help when tumbleweeds piled up on Monday due to the high winds. 
Some say that tumbleweeds blow over their fences and leave stacks of the dry brush as high as second-story windows. No kidding. I thought tumbleweeds were, you know, just something in an old west town in Texas where the cowboys hung out in the 1880s. That's what I thought, too, but it turns (laughs) out tumbleweeds blow in from the desert and affect about 150 homes in the area. And they're piling up to the second story? Yes, yes, and the winds are expected to return on Thursday. All right, meanwhile, a (laughs) California lottery winner is crediting his win to karma from a recent good deed. Yeah? Michael Forsberg said before he walked into a Ridgecrest mini-mart, he gave a man six bucks because he thought he looked down on his luck. While in the store, Forsberg bought a scratch-off ticket that ended up being a $750,000 winner. He called the win an impossible dream. It's not the first time Forsberg, or Forsberg rather, has won big, though. Several years ago, he won ten grand from the California lottery. Man, oh man. Lady Luck smiles twice on him. She needs to look our way, right? I know. <laughs> they try to do good karma. All right, there's word that British researchers have discovered an enzyme, this is very good news, that could get rid of millions of tons of plastic polluting the world's oceans. This stuff never degrades, and this is a way to get that done? Yes, and just like how they discovered Post-it, the glue on Post-it notes, which was a mistake, they accidentally engineered it while studying a 3D model of newly di- of a newly discovered enzyme that eats plastic. That enzyme was first discovered in Japan. Scientists at the University of Portsmouth say their enzyme works better than the Japanese one and quicker and hope it'll be harnessed in the fight against plastic pollution. Fantastic story. Hope it works. That is. It is a fantastic story. And finally, a Frenchman is now the world's first person to have two successful face transplants. Two? Two. How's he look? The 43-year-old, I don't know, the 43-year-old patient received a face transplant in 2010 to treat a genetic disorder that caused tumors to grow along the nerves in his skin. His body started rejecting the transplant two years ago, so in January, doctors successfully performed a second face transplant. He was released from the hospital this week to spend time with his family. That's remarkable. Isn't that amazing? We wish him well. That's an extraordinary ordeal he's gone through. It really is. It really is. But I have seen stories before, especially with burn patients, and they talk about how life-changing the face transplant is. Deb, um, legal briefs is coming up. You and attorney Jeff Kaufman face-to-face right here on the 50,000-watt front porch. What are you going to be talking about, and how can folks get involved? Well, we're going to be uh, kicking things off by revisiting the uh, President Trump's personal attorney's issues, Michael Cohen. Uh, specifically, I was interested in hearing about the restraining order that uh, the attorney Cohen had filed, keeping uh, detectives or investigators from going through his paperwork. Want to ask him some questions about that. Also, though, we did have a listener who texted in a question about a tenant taking bringing in a dog without permission and now saying that that dog is a therapy animal. So... They have a question, a very important question for Attorney Jeff Kaufman. And if you have a question, pressing legal matter, you'd like some great free legal advice, Attorney Jeff Kaufman is nationally recognized and licensed in 18 states. He's the only attorney of his kind in the country. Standard message and data rates apply. But send that question to 23680. Text it to 23680, your questions right now. Yeah, you'll sort them all out and uh, bring them to the surface for the legal brief segment, uh, if time permits. In a moment, an update on Atlanta's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Welcome back to the 50,000 watt front porch. It's time for legal briefs with attorney Jeff Kaufman, nationally recognized personal injury attorney, licensed in 18 states, the only attorney 
in the country you can say that about. Good morning, Jeff. Welcome morning. back. Lots, lots of stuff to talk I about I know. So let's just jump in with both feet. Uh, real quick, I have been billboarding this all morning, so I do want to touch on it. Going back, uh, revisiting the case with President Trump's personal attorney, Michael Cohen, ordered to be in court, federal court on Monday, to hand over a list of his attorneys, all of the documents that had been seized and that FBI raid. I don't know, um, maybe a lot of folks think like myself, a restraining order, You usually, I usually think of something in criminal court, something to keep someone from approaching you. I never would have thought that it would have been used to try and keep investigators from being able to look at paperwork. Uh, what can you tell us, uh, of course, from someone who's incredibly licensed and knows what he's talking about, what can the regular folk take away from what, what is be- being done to Michael Cohen? It's a protective order, and this is the big issue right here. Michael Cohen kind of has showed us a couple things. First off, I don't believe that anybody should be able to do what the federal government did. No. But what's coming out is this, is that when they ask him, well, are you actually a practicing attorney, or is this just like your personal office where you put your political stuff in? Uh, right now, we're not quite sure, because when they ask him who his clients are, he says, well, there's, there's the president, and there's this other guy, and then there's Sean Hannity. Right. And Sean's like, listen, I don't know you, dude. You know, I've I've talked to you, but you're not my attorney. Just because I give you legal advice, I could be on the hook as far as my responsibilities as being sued, but I'm not your you're not my client. Okay, so giving legal advice is something else, but to actually be my client is a completely different thing. So in this situation, it sounds like they're going to try to hang their hat on the idea that we're taking stuff not from his clients, but from him because we believe he's doing dirty stuff. But that still opens the door to what are they getting that actually is protected? And do I really trust the FBI not to release this? They release everything. In fact, the head of the FBI is the biggest releaser in history. Well, that's what I was wondering. Doesn't this go against illegal search and seizure? It it depends on whether there's a warrant or not and whether the warrant is valid and whether it survives appeal. I mean, just because I get a judge to sign off on something. Technically, right now in our country, we've showed that Depending on who puts you in office and what your politics are, your ruling is normally based on that. Like California and Hawaii are the ones ruling on immigration right now. Right. Not like Idaho. Because, you know, these are places where, you know, they were put into position by, you know, the Democratic Party. And people don't know that. Federal judges are put in by the political party that has the most power and the president. Right. Right. And that's so you. So Trump, for example, is putting in a lot of federal judges right now. But all these judges who are ruling the other way are Obama appointees or other Democratic appointees. And that's when you, your politics get involved. And your politics should not be involved in whether you're making decisions on people's rights. But it is. Yeah, it is. That's the sad fact. Okay, a real quick, a legal question from a listener. A current tenant takes in a dog without permission. After they are told twice that is unauthorized, they now claim it's a therapy pet for a sick child. Due to the lease violation... Can the lease be terminated by management? Uh, Leases cannot be based. Leases will be, I don't want to use the word Trump, but they can be trumped by (laughs) uh, certain things. Like the federal law that allows uh, you to have a service dog. But it has to be a service dog. It can't be just like, this is my dog and it gives me comfort. You have to prove it's a service dog. And in this situation, they might have to. I mean, I see it all the time where somebody will try to throw a dog out of a restaurant and the person will show his federal ID and say, no, this is my service dog. And they have to put up with it. But 
you know, in a lease situation, you have to find out exactly what rights these people have. And the lease will not always define that when it gets beaten up by a federal rule. So this is the time when that person would need to call attorney Jeff Kaufman and get a deeper look at the lease, because even after the fact of moving in and then twice being told not to have the dog, if they do have the proper paperwork, they could come out on top. Yeah. I mean, the big thing would you have is, is, for example, my son's autistic. He's on the autism autism spectrum, and there are special dogs that are trained yes, my, to do certain things. Yeah. My autistic nephew had a seizure alert dog. And to the idea that somebody goes, well, this is my cat. And it makes me feel good. I love my dog. And, you know, but I know that there are places my dog can't go. Now, if I needed this, this was a therapy dog and I had paperwork and my doctor said I needed this, of course I should be able to bring my dog. But the idea isn't to take advantage of this rule by just bringing your pets with you everywhere you want to go. Shoot. I was hoping that would be allowed. Listen, I love my dogs, too. I I do, too. I do, too. All right. Well, you came into the studio with your hair on fire um, with the big story of of the day, of course, one of the big stories, and that is Starbucks closing all 8,000 of its stores this afternoon so that their uh, employees can receive racial bias training. Um, What, as an attorney, if you were advising the CEO of Starbucks, what would what would be your advice to him to ha- how to handle this situation? This is not a legal move. This is a this is a PR move. Okay? Because I can promise you this, if you're in downtown Orlando and 50 homeless guys walk into Starbucks and hang out there, they're going to call the cops and throw these people out. You know, cuz and this is where the problem exists. These are not paying people. It doesn't matter with white, black, red, or brown. This is a business that probably pays five to ten thousand dollars a month in rent, and they have to make that money up. And I can tell you this: if I walk when I walk into a Starbucks and there are fifty people there not paying, and there's no place to sit, and these aren't paying people, I might take my business somewhere else. And Starbucks is going to learn this, and I and I really hope this happens to them because they're really buying into this nonsense that these people were turned away because they were black, white. The comments are, well, I go to Starbucks and I hang out and don't pay. You shouldn't do that. Now, we did have somebody who had texted in earlier who said, listen, this is not a PR move. This is a move by the company in case there is a lawsuit brought later on down the road. That's not that doesn't work that way. It doesn't. It doesn't work that way. You can't say that. Hey, listen, uh, we gave them proper training, so they shouldn't have done this because this is, for example, if they get sued for something that happened before this event. They have to show they did everything possible for it not to happen. Just because you gave somebody a lecture in the afternoon, what about the people who weren't in that lecture? What about the people who missed that day? So you have to make sure everyone was there to hear this. It's a it's a PR move. It's nothing else but that. So don't pretend it's anything else. Okay, last before we go. Now, uh, this is another uh, text-in question from a listener. If you are in your fenced-in community pool area... And someone hops the fence because they don't have legitimate access. Can you protect yourself with deadly force? Deadly force can only be used to protect yourself when deadly force is being used against you. Okay. It has to be. It has to be the same. And protecting property is not the same as protecting yourself. Uh, let's say you're going. Well, they were going to steal my car, so I shot him. It doesn't. You can't do that. You can use deadly force. When you're in fear for your life, you can't do it to protect your property. And you can't do it because you're angry somebody hopped yes. the fence and uh, doesn't have legitimate access. He's using my pool, so I put a bullet in him. You don't get to do that. You get to use deadly force when you're in fear of your life. The force has to be proportional. For example, you come up to me and say, hey, can I have a dollar? <laughs> you don't get to do that. Right. You know, it's, it's not, you know, don't do that in the state of Florida. If you come at your house, I can shoot you. You know, there are certain stand your ground rules in Florida, but that doesn't apply when you're hanging out at your pool. Okay. Well, 
to all of those listeners who had their uh, their questions answered this morning. Thank you so much for sending them in. But for those who weren't able to, you know, Attorney Jeff Kaufman, despite being the fact that you're probably one of the busiest men in America that I know. A little busy. You are all, also very easily reachable by the audience. Yeah, we've answered, I think I answered about 50 listener questions last week. And this is the deal. Just just email me at jeff at whenyouneedus.com. Whatever question it is, I'll put you in the right position. I mean, normally we, we specialize in personal injury, but just, you know, do what you need to do, and I'll help it out, whether it be criminal or property. And don't shoot people at the pool. Okay. Right. <laughs> Thank you right. once again, Attorney Jeff Kaufman. And Legal Briefs, you're here every Wednesday morning at 840. Hang on to that text number. You can text us anytime with your legal question. Standard message and data rates apply to 23680. And Bud will be right back with Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025 WFLA. A word for my good friends at Central Florida Lincoln before we pay tribute to the late Barbara Bush. Um, on behalf of my good friends at Central Florida Lincoln, and they are just all wonderful, um, thanks for making them the number one volume Lincoln dealer within the sound of my voice for eight straight years. It's amazing. They have more on the lot than anybody else of these fabulous, powerful, luxurious and magnificently beautiful Lincolns. And they, they, they guarantee you the absolute lowest Lincoln price you'll find anywhere. In fact, if you get a better written offer from a competitor, just bring it in to Central Florida Lincoln. They'll shake your hand, smile, and beat that on the same car by $500. There's no reason to go anywhere else. Central Florida Lincoln, you're going to have an absolutely terrific experience. And the reason, really, they sell more Lincolns than anybody else is because their customer satisfaction commitment is just off the charts. And people react to how well they are treated in every way. Central Florida Lincoln, there for you at 2055 West Colonial Drive near John Young. You tell them the Budman sent you. They'll roll out the red carpet. Go see them on this beautiful day. Get a beautiful new Lincoln like I've got, and you will love it. Great offers popping up on their mobile-friendly website right now at 20. Make that centralfloridalincoln.com. So Barbara Bush, as Deb's been reporting all morning, has passed away at age 92, she'll lie in repose that in Houston um, at the end of this week. She leaves behind an extraordinary legacy of service and literacy and other things and was such a classy first lady and such an unforgettable character, just honest, straightforward, plain spoken, and just, it seemed, universally loved and admired. Here is an interesting piece of sound. Not long ago, Barbara Bush was asked as she neared the end of her life why she seemed able to face death without fear. I pray, George and I pray every night out loud. And sometimes we fight over whose turn it is, but we do. And uh, I have no fear of death, which is a huge comfort because we're getting darn close. And I don't have a fear of death for my precious George or for myself. Because I know that there is a great God. Amen, Barbara, who also offered some advice that I think is good for me, certainly good for you, good for everybody. Things that we ought to be about the business of doing now so that we are at peace when it's our time. At the end of your life, you will never regret not having passed one more test, winning one more verdict, or not closing one more deal. You will regret time not spent with a husband 
a child, a friend, or a parent. So much wisdom from a woman who had such such a long life so well lived. Barbara Bush has left us on her own terms at 92. Said enough with the hospital visits. I'm not going to have any more medical treatment. Just keep me comfortable and I'll go see the good Lord. And so she has. I know it's going to be tough on her beloved husband, President Bush, 41, of 73 years. And, of course, on her son, the President George W. Bush. And, of course, her other son, our former governor, Jeb Bush. But, boy, have they been blessed. And has Barbara Bush been a blessing to our great nation. God rest her soul. That's it. Good morning, Orlando. Wrapping it up for the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com for Deb and Yaffe and, uh, and Deb the Budman. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day and see you tomorrow. God bless America.